Hey, everybody. This is Keith. I'm thinking about how unique all of our lives are and how we each have our own subjective experience in the world. And that definitely is true. There is just no way to... There's just It's just a fact that all of our lives go in their own very individual directions and no person is the same. And even when people are genetically basically the same, like twins, their lives just cannot be lived the exact same way. And it gets into the craziness of numbers, the permutations of infinities out there. You know, like how many damn experiences do you have in one hour of one day that just won't even be duplicated ever in any universe? Like, it's hard to really imagine. Um, <laughs> I don't mean to get all sci-fi here, but it's really incredible when you think about how unique each life experience is. And yet we do share so much in common. We can understand each other, believe it or not. I, I thought about doing an episode today on neurodivergence and neurodiversity, which is a fancy word for talking about mental health issues <laughs> and conditions and all the various ways in which people's brains work a little unusually or abnormally. And I'm still thinking about what I talked about in my episode about transgender and transsexuality and issues around that topic because it just really opens up this crazy Pandora's box about how life works and how, I don't know, about what is normal. And I've just been thinking about that this week. I've been thinking a little less hard, I'll admit, because the last few weeks I've been dealing with some pretty heavy topics. And that takes a lot of energy on my brain and my body somehow too, I think. Um, I don't know if science has proven that mental effort shows itself in the body or not, but it can feel like that. In any case, uh, it's December. It's mid-December. I'm in Berlin, but I'm flying back to California for the holidays soon. And I've just been starting to take it a little easier. And yet these thoughts have persisted in my mind that life is just so complicated and complex. And yet at the same time, we do have a shared understanding. We share a lot, actually, you know, like it's not hard for people to kind of pool together their, their, I don't know, floating ideas in the world and come up with a consensus. For instance, here in Berlin, you know, there's a lockdown, so all the bars are closed and, it's hard to really figure out a way to socialize. We can't go out to eat for dinner together. And I miss that. I'm not an extrovert, but I do rely on that kind of socializing with friends and, and even acquaintances. I miss that, but it didn't take too long for us to figure out, like, let's have walks together. Let's get coffees. Let's get Gluvine, you know, let's have, uh, let's still have these shared moments together. And we all kind of agree on that. Now, not everybody, obviously, but it's like patterns emerge in, in societies and we all cherish warmth by the fire when it's freezing outside. We all value that warmth going into our bodies in the form of like a very nice beverage, you know, an alcoholic beverage that's also warmed up, you know, it's really pleasant. And it's like, it is basically the same pleasantness for me and for you. I remember as a, as a kid, like thinking, how do I know if like 
the, the red that I see is the same as the red that you see, you know, there's just no way to know. And it's kind of a valid philosophical question. And of course there are colorblind people that literally don't see the same red, but I think I've just come to appreciate that as unique as we all are as individuals with our unique experiences, we are all humans. And these are two messages that I think we all hold very dearly at the same time. And they're complicated ideas to have independently. And yet we, we have them both. And I think a lot of this podcast is my frustration about how we don't quite parse out those two truths very effectively. You know, we're really happy and I'm sorry to get political again. I'm not going to, this isn't going to be a politically focused episode, but I just have to make my thesis point here. We're very happy to emphasize how unique our experiences are when telling off our opponents that they don't understand us and that you'll never understand me and that because of your skin or your, you know, how you grew up, you'll just never know what it's like to be me. (laughs) Whenever I hear an argument like that, I just think, has this person never read a book or watched a movie? It's funny. So like I was saying, I was going to do this episode on neurodiversity And you can tell just the way I talk that I form my thoughts really, I don't know, haphazardly. You know, I have points that I need to get to, but I I grab another train of thought from over there and I bring, you know, a dependent clause, but I don't finish the sentence. And then I put a comma and then I go into another thought and, you know, I'm building up to these other bigger thoughts and... I'm using some of this stuff as supporting evidence to make a bigger point about what I'm seeing in the world. And this is kind of how I think, and it's kind of how I live. And it's, it's a little confusing for myself, actually. Uh, It's a little messy and I have a lot of things always going on at once. I don't know if anyone torrents and pirates uh, information out there, but if you do, you might look at your torrent browser, your tracker And like, if you download, let's say like an album or like a series, you know, and it's like, if there's like 10 episodes in the series, some, um, some torrent, what is it called? Um, clients, I don't know what the word is for this torrent thing that you use. (laughs) Sometimes they will just go track one, track two, episode three, episode four, like one at a time. And whenever that happens, I'm like really impressed and I like it because you can just start watching the first one straight away but most of them in my lifetime have all gone all at once randomly and haphazardly and they'll all be around 50% at the same time, give or take, you know what I mean? And like you'll have these 10 tracks and you'll be at 95% on all of them and none of them will be done, will be done. And then maybe like the peers that you're, you're sharing with will go offline and then you'll be stuck with almost a full album but no actual tracks available. And my life feels like that. If I'm honest, I even feel like that with careers, you know, like I'm this percentage ahead in my writing career and this much ahead in my art career. And it it feels like that to me. Anyway, that was a big divergence on this point of neurodivergence. I have mental issues. This is what I want to say. And it's funny because I've been consuming a lot of YouTube videos on mental health and like trying to self-diagnose. Um, I am diagnosed with ADHD and anxiety, but I started wondering if I might have autism and autism is this kind of scary word. Um, I doubt that I do have actual full blown autism, but I think that I'm surely on the spectrum and I want to destigmatize that here. Uh, having Asperger's for instance is on the spectrum and I just don't know, like I've never been fully tested for this, but what I've been studying on the topic is that, well, this isn't a lesson on autism. My main point on this topic is that the human mind is really complicated and it's at once this kind of delicate soft tissue software thing that we just don't understand. And on the other hand, it's extremely resilient, but we all go through our own life experiences and who the hell knows how much biology or, you know, 
pre-life in the womb or, you know, um, experiences as an infant's, however, all this stuff affects your brain chemistry. It's kind of a mystery. I mean, I hope that we're figuring it out, but suffice to say, we all have various issues that we're dealing with. Psychological trauma, actual brain damage. I mean, it runs the gamut, right? And I have, I try to practice a lot of compassion for everybody, knowing that everybody has their own issues to deal with, their own difficult life to bear, their own cross to bear. And I do think that we remember that. And when I see like movements in the streets, obviously people are marching and protesting because they're, they're practicing their sympathy and compassion for victims, for people that have had a raw deal in life who have been unjustly, well, killed usually, but even anything, you know, unjust trials, unjust firings, like there's so much injustice. And I do think that that triggers something good in our bodies, something like compassion, like we're so connected as humans that we do feel each other's pain, you know? And it's just obvious to me that we can understand each other, you know? I mean, going back to George Floyd and Black Lives Matter this year, 2020, which is coming to an end, and we'll see if this movement has any life in it during Joe Biden's administration, I have a feeling it's not going to peak in Google's search again for another four years. That might be cynical of me to say, but that's my prognosis. We can obviously sympathize or, you know, like we can, our heart goes out to George Floyd who died um, in police custody in Minnesota. And when we see him, laying on the ground, kind of screaming with this cop sitting on his back. That story impacts us because it's possible to understand somebody's plight. And then it's just so ironic to me that people turn around and then say something like, you don't know him, you don't know his life, you have no idea what he went through. Like, okay, that's technically a fact, when I'm just walking into the story, but as soon as you tell me things, then I do know. And I was just thinking about this because I'm tying this into this conversation on um, mental issues because uh, I was sitting here today quite exhausted. Like I just didn't have energy and I couldn't figure out why. And I just decided, you know, I'm just going to be nice to myself. I'm going to practice self care. I'm going to treat myself as if I'm someone that I was looking after and responsible for. And I decided to just, you know, pour myself a drink and turn on Netflix. And I decided to put on a really cheesy rom-com, you know, the kind of movie that I would totally scoff at as a teenager. And then, you know, it feels like every year that goes by, I indulge in something like that more and more. And now it's to the point where I actually think like, Keith, if you do write a screenplay, like for real, why not just make a romantic comedy? You know, why do, you don't need to go for some like mind bending indie, you know, dramedy or something. You could just, you know, <laughs> do something for the masses because masses are masses for a reason. We all kind of are interested in the same kind of things like falling in love, like having a bourgeois you know, trad lifestyle. Like this is appealing to basically everybody, right? And it's just so funny that people claim that people's lives are so different that like, as if nobody wants a nice house, you know, as if that's a controversial thing to want. (laughs) And so I put on this movie called The Holiday as the holiday season approaches. The holidays are upon us, people. Uh, I've seen this poster, you know, several times in my life. I've seen it on Netflix and I've always scrolled past thinking like, well, this is obviously not cool enough to watch. And then I thought Cameron Diaz, cool. Jude Law, cool. 
Jack Black, Kate Winslet. I mean, what's wrong with this cast? Nothing. (laughs) This is a great cast and it knows what it is. It's not trying to be Eternal Sunshine or being John Malkovich or Closer or what's a movie that Jack Black has done that's cool? Um, High Fidelity. You know, like you're taking actors from these kind of really good movies and you're putting them in this like really cheery, sanitized, you know, family flick or not family, but you know, the kind of movie that (laughs) should I try and finish the sentence? I actually recommend it. That's all I can say. I haven't even finished it. I just decided to stop it and start recording this podcast because I just look, I'll be honest. I was watching Kate Winslet cry at the beginning of the movie over her heartbreak And I just thought, I am not a British middle-aged woman. And yet, I feel her pain. I get it. I understand why she thinks that this guy in front of her is a total bastard. I understand that she feels a bit put upon and, you know, unhappy in her life, in her work, and alone in her cottage or whatever. It's not hard It's not hard to figure out. Even somebody, even an Aspie person on the spectrum can figure it out by looking at the clues, you know, the cues. Like, it's not hard for us to understand each other if we can speak the same language. And even if we don't, like I can watch a a foreign film and see the pictures and understand like the human face makes sense to me. And I don't need to be a woman to understand the pain that she was going through. And I frankly resent it that I'm told that like, you're a man, you'll never understand. Like, yes, I, what do you mean? Like, you think that stories don't impact other people? It's just an insane, uh, insane argument to me that like no one gets me or something. Like if people, if you feel misunderstood and look, I obviously feel misunderstood all the time. My intro music on this very podcast for probably most of the episodes I've done is my cover version of don't let me be misunderstood (laughs) because it's like a pain that I've felt in my life forever that like in conversations I cannot get my point across and people just jump to a really, you know, somewhat negative conclusion that I'm some sort of, you know, jerk taking this contrarian opinion. And I hate that. I hate feeling misunderstood and judged because people just want to jump to their judgment of me. And these are the same people very often that insist telling me that I don't understand. And I just have a suspicion that there are more bigots out there than people realize and that they're not these like evil Nazi alt-right racist sexist, violent criminals. They're actually like normal Joe Biden voting do-gooders that are the bigots often, not always, of course. And I, I wouldn't even say most of the time, but often I do feel like people get a little radicalized in any topic, including Joe Biden. I know he's not a radical c- character, but just being like b- voting Democrat can become a radical position. And I'm going to leave this realm of politics soon, I promise. When I see all this kind of like, you know, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Reddit, I'm seeing all these things on Instagram too. Like when you're messaged so much with politics, it's very hard to lose the plot and think, oh yeah, like there is an enemy. There are bad people I am against them. No, that's not the point. There are memes. There are contagious ideas. There are exciting storylines that we get swept into because we share a human experience, because we relate to each other so easily. We grab on to what our friends and our neighbors are chatting about. We take the sound bites from them to use when we're then animating the same spirit that 
animated them. And we're just kind of spitting it back to other people. It's almost like zombies. You know, this is the zombie apocalypse. Everybody is just kind of mirroring back to each other what they're seeing and hearing. And you can use that. (laughs) You can use that one if you want. Um, And the point, the real point, I think, something I've learned in the last few years, is that life is balance. Life is all about balance. And there is no escaping it. And if you are ever advocating so strongly for one thing, you are clearly out of balance. You either unbalance the other way, which is why you're trying to overcorrect so much, or you're just weighted down in your own hole that you're digging deeper and deeper. And our society is set up to always be correcting for that. That's what democracy is. That's why there are a right and a left party, at least those two, because society is always striving for that balance. And it's a good thing. And I have a German friend here who's been, you know, constantly checking up on me, like, Keith, what's happening with the Senate? Uh, Will the Democrats control um, all three branches of government, or at least uh, rather not all three, because obviously the judiciary branch is going to be Republican for a while. But will they have the House and the Senate in Congress, will they be able to pass bills that Joe Biden is endorsing? Will they be able to get, to get shit done? And we don't know. Georgia is still up in the air. But I have to say, I'm not that bothered if the Democrats don't get the power. And it's only because I do actually care about balance. And if the Democrats can come up with something really cool, like a good healthcare plan or you know, some work on student debt and, you know, college tuition and that kind of stuff or, um, you know, drug um, prohibition repeals and easing up on that stuff or, you know, hopefully at least, you know, this bill that Nancy Pelosi endorsed about accountability with the police. Like these are all real things that I definitely care about. And this is how I identify politically as a liberal to care about those things. If those things are good enough, you can swing one damn Republican, <laughs> you know, like make it so good that one out of 50 people will divert from Mitch McConnell's reign of terror. And it's possible. Okay. It's possible. But if you're going to try and like write in some sort of like, um, Ibram Kendi anti-racism bill or, you know, some sort of like defunding the police as a federal bill or something. And you even try and make that seem not radical and they are radical actually. Yeah. Okay. Maybe it's okay that there are 50 Republicans. You know what I mean? Like if you're going to try and mandate that, you know, quotas in terms of every sort of identity group for every kind of federal job. Maybe it's okay that not everybody in government is a liberal because good ideas do embody. I'm going to use this word. I know some of you think it's a bad word. Compromise. It's okay. It's okay to compromise. It doesn't have to be a bad word. I don't know what a better word is that conveys the same spirit. Um, a shared good or something like um, a position that we can all vote for. I, I think that we just make so, so much of, we make so much out of democracy. We make democracy more complicated than it needs to be. You know, it's like, it's, it's winner take all it's either, or it's us versus them. And it could be more like going out to dinner and thinking, okay, look, let's say we're a party of five and there's all the restaurants in the city. We all know them. Basically, we all know the cuisines. We can go for Italian. We can go for Japanese. We can go for Mexican. We can go for Thai. Now, if these are all candidates running and you only get one vote, it's going to be hard for all five people to vote for one same thing. That's going to be hard. But if everybody just says, 
yeah, I'm up for that. And they, they just raise their hand for every, everything they like. Look how easy this could be. Like basically any decision would work in that case. And it's no longer tense. It's no longer this like, you know, difficult thing where everyone has to have their number one choice or something. <sighs> I'm feeling especially neurodivergence this week. I can really feel my brain not fully um, parsing information in an orderly manner. And I did take this test about attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, which is a terrible name for a condition. Um, but it is, I do have issues with attention and fidgeting and impatience and all this. And medication does help. And I do think it's good to destigmatize these things and practice compassion and think about how every single person is dealing with something difficult, including your relatives that vote the wrong way, including even the politicians you hate the most, even serial killers, you know? And it gets into this topic of free will and how nobody really chooses to be evil. And most people need hugs. Most people need attention. Now, look, I'm not giving it to them either. Some people I just would rather stay away from. But our society should be figuring out how to deal with things with compassion. And I really just feel like we've gotten so far away from the free love 60s, the all you need is love attitude, the make love not war attitude. Like, where the hell did that go? Like, it's so crazy to me how our generation, millennials, are like, so antagonistic and so cynical and so conflict oriented with older generations, with ourselves and probably with younger generations too, to some extent. And I just want to advocate balance. I wanted to make this other point when I was talking about transgender issues One of my favorite symbols in the spiritual world is the yin-yang. And you know what that is. It's this circle and it's half black, it's half white, but it's not like a, it's not a black and white cookie where the line is just literally down the middle, like a Venn diagram, 50-50. But it's this, it's this poetic swirl. It looks like two tadpoles, you know, and they're kind of like in this infinite cycle with each other. And then there's also the dot in the center of each one. So it's just this really perfect, beautiful image. And it's great, you know, like I'm not getting a tattoo of it necessarily, but I just think it says so much about the universe and about how we do think in a binary system. And we do that because we do live in a binary system. And it's okay. It's okay that that's the truth. Now, of course, it's not the, like, the be-all and end-all truth truth. Like, there are many grand truths, and that is one of them. But, of course, the world is complex. The world is very high resolution, meaning the more you zoom in on anything, the more information you'll find. And that is so true. That's another grand truth. Like... Literally, the more you zoom in, you can take any topic like photography, you can zoom in on the cameras and then from the cameras, you can zoom in on the sensor science. And from there, you can zoom in on, uh, well, there I get lost because I don't don't understand enough about the computational power of microchips and all this. But like, obviously, like you can just go more and more and more and that won't, will never end, you know, like you can get down to the molecular level and even then you can just keep going. Do you know how tiny that is? Like that is such high resolution. And that was just from like a very random topic, not so random for me because I, I make photographs, but I just looked at a camera on my desk and the pictures on my wall and I just ended up at like atoms, you know, but you could do that for literally everything. And life is just so high resolution, it's impossible to like take it all in. So we need low resolution thumbnails of the world to understand each other. 
when I say photography, you kind of just have in mind like a certain filing cabinet of all the ideas around photography that you can look into, you know, and maybe it's very small. Maybe you don't care about photography or pictures and maybe you've heard of Ansel Adams or something and that's it. Or maybe you just think, oh yeah, my phone technically has a camera on it, but I've never used it, you know, like whatever people make pictures. So that's, that's true. You know? So like from that extremely high resolution of all the things about photography that I could actually spend the whole next year of my podcast talking about, you know, we just have to boil it down to make sense because the world is just so complicated otherwise. And we don't really have to worry about that. It's not a problem. It's not like a task. It's, it happens naturally because all of our interests balance out. There's no way for everybody all the time to talk about photography because not everyone wants to talk about photography. And you've felt, you felt this at a party, I'm sure, where you're in a group of people and you have some things to say. Um, but there's just so much going on and the, the conversation is just bubbling and lively and, you know, like everyone is saying what they say and sooner or later the topic just drifts so far away that you, your point is gone. It's lost. Like there's no way to say it anymore. And that can be really annoying and difficult. You might feel unheard. You might feel like (laughs) microaggressed upon depending on your victimhood status, (laughs) but that's life. And the conversation is balancing with all the people involved. If one person is a black hole taking up too much of the conversation or too much energy, they will die the way stars do die. That gravity will suck in on itself. They will be ostracized one day for being a jerk. You know what I mean? Like that kind of evil, that kind of, um, negativity in the world, the darkness, if you will, the yin to the yang, those kind of bad manifestations of, of life energy don't last forever. All dictators have died. All countries that, that suffered in the 20th century under dictatorships have moved on. Well, not all of them and some more and some more successfully than others, but Germany and Japan definitely China, totally different. Russia, struggling. Cuba, kind of similar. Cambodia, still doing very bad. But that kind of energy, it it shows up in the world, out of the universe. It, It becomes manifested through a political leader who somehow harnesses that energy with everybody like in this charismatic way like inspiring everyone with this kind of parasitic virus this mind virus and you know history runs through people (sighs) there are mind viruses and i think that's also what i'm very sensitive to i really see these kind of mind mind viruses these memes of, for instance, social justice or anti-racism or, you know, even like the Me Too movement or some things that obviously look good and sound good, but like all bad ideas look and sound good. (laughs) That's why they go out of control because they look and sound good at first. I think people don't quite appreciate that. Like we really need to scrutinize our goals and how to get there because all bad things forever started with the same fervor and excitement and saving the world that you and I feel. So that's pretty humbling, I would say. And we don't always know when we're crazy. It's just another thing that I think about when I take these tests. Like sometimes I think like these are so designed so that everybody is like this, you know, like what a vague question. Sometimes I can't focus like that's everybody, right? But it's not everybody, actually. Um, maybe that one. I mean, obviously, all people have that have experienced phenomena that happens in the mind. But some people experience it 
way more and in combination with other phenomena that actually does interfere with life. And that is what a disorder is. That is what a, an affliction is, a disease. And think about the opposite of those words, order, ease, affliction. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. It's so weird. Like, I don't know why, but like we've become so afraid to speak about something like Down syndrome, you know, retardation. We think, you know, even something, I mean, in my opinion, something like um, body dysmorphia would go here. Like these are serious I don't want to be offensive, but it's not, I'm not making an offensive point. These are defects and that's not a judgment word. And I have defects. I don't, I don't judge myself for it. I'm annoyed that my life isn't more how I want it to be. And that I have these kind of issues in the way with it. It's annoying. And I really appreciate sympathy and help about that stuff, but I don't appreciate being told that I'm fine when I'm not fine. Being told that I'm normal. It's not normal. It's just not. Don't tell me it's normal. It's kind of like, look, this is a, this is a practice for being there for somebody. When someone is sad, when someone is crying, it's not really helpful to say, don't cry. They're crying. <laughs> Let them cry. Help them cry. Help them cry well. You know, like let them be sad. It's healthy to be sad. If you want to be helpful, take the other issues of it around it out of the way, like embarrassment, like discomfort, you know, get them a tissue, for instance. Um, you know, don't put pressure on them to get over it really fast or something like that. You know, it's okay that people cry. The annoying thing is being told that it's not okay. And that's what's so funny. It's like we have such good intentions for somebody with that's trans, for instance. Because deep down we know how fucking hard that must be to have this phenomenon in your mind that you're in the wrong body. That sucks. That's not normal. And I just think... A, it's not going to help that person, whatever virtue signaling I'm being asked to do. And B, the weird intellectual academic discussion around that, the fact that there's, you know, infinite genders, whatever, or that it's a spectrum. It's all kind of fun, but it's missing the yin yang of life. We are a binary species. The penis goes into the vagina to make babies. That's literally what happens. And that's why we're here. That's why every single person on the planet Earth is here right now is because of that binary system. And so who the hell are we fooling that sex isn't real, that biological sex isn't real? It's, it's a lie. Gender is a difficult word. Well, I, I covered all this. But I get worked up about it. Because it's okay that the universe is what it is and that there are also problems in it. We want to reduce those problems, but denying truth doesn't help. And making human experience so hyper-individualized and atomized. Atomized means like that we're all kind of atoms in this molecular structure. We're like not attached to one another. We're just kind of bouncing around independently. It doesn't help us. I remember being at an Apple store in California and I was being helped by a person who was not that helpful. Like I feel like she had an attitude for no reason and I had an attitude, but I'm a customer. I'm allowed to have an attitude. My phone wasn't working. So yeah, I had an attitude, 
but I'm a nice customer. It wasn't like being a dick about it, but I was openly sharing my frustration. Like I was telling her like, Oh, this is the third time I've come in. I just wish that something could happen. I don't understand this process. Maybe you could explain it to me. You know, I was talking like that. And at some point, she thought it was valid to leave the prescribed corporate speak script, which I'll admit, I don't love either. I feel really patronized when it's like, oh, I'm so sorry that you're having a problem today. Let's see what we can do for you. Like, it can be a bit much, especially when it's on the text on your computer screen typing. But like, we have that stuff for a reason, you know, it's like civility, it's customer service, it's like, it's pleasant, it helps actually, it's nice. I mean, that's what it's designed to do. But this woman um, left that script because she felt like I was attacking her personally. And obviously I wasn't. Like she's literally wearing an Apple shirt and I'm treating her like the company. She's literally the spokesperson for the company in that moment. And she said like, I can't remember how she entered this space, but she was basically like, you are actually... Um, offending me right now with that tone and in my reality I don't accept that in my experience and don't um, don't de- disrespect or devalue my personal experience okay like she started talking like that to me and I was just staring at her like are you serious you're an Apple employee your job is to sort this out with me I am frustrated you're now telling me that your individual reality and your subjective truth is suddenly transcending this ordinary experience in an Apple store in the mall. You know, like this was insane to me. It's like, it's, I'm just remembering it now. Like that was really crazy. And you've probably been there. Maybe you've been that person. I don't know. I don't mean to fully judge every person that's done that. But again, this is a mind virus. Like we've been given this meme that we're allowed to say that. You're not allowed to say that. There's no such thing as a subjective reality that like, I know what I heard. Okay. No, you don't know what you heard. You think what you heard. You don't, you don't author the book of truth in every living moment of you. You just don't like, what if you have no idea about, I don't know, solar power. Do you think it's not going to happen because you don't know it? You're not the author of the universe. You're literally a subjective person with your unique experiences traveling this earth with everybody else. You are, I mean, you are an ant in the, in a colony, like we're all together. You don't get to just do your own thing. And it makes me think of this, like of the planet earth documentary where ants get possessed by this insane, um, what's it called? Paraceps, quadriceps. I want to say seps. I don't know why it's like this insane parasitic demon (laughs) that infects ants. And they literally like, they'll like start, they're possessed. They're like quite literally possessed by a demon in a very literal way. That demon is a parasite. It's a real living organism and it infects this ant and the other ants know it and they have to take it out from the colony. And then this insane plant structure grows out of the head of this ant and spreads its pores. And that's how this parasite propagates it's really crazy. And that happens in human society. It's not literal. Like we can't see it like that, but it happens. And I think that this one of the, an example of that is this meme of like, I know my subjective experience. Don't tell me that it's not true. Like, okay, you have issues. If you, if you literally are so close minded that you can't hear any minor correction to what you think you just are sharing in an experience, that's bigoted. That's literally what a bigot is. Someone that is so defiantly closed off from hearing anyone else's perspective, you know? 
and using this phrase like my truth, like that was once a beautiful phrase because again, like I started this, we all do have our personal life arc, but that doesn't mean that you get to go and dictatorially tell everybody that your truth overpowers theirs. That's insane. In the yin-yang, you know, I think about night and day. It's like such an obvious example of how maybe humans also like got into this binary mode. You know, the sun is up, the sun is down. And then to give credit where it's due to like the idea of fluidity of gender, for instance, there's obviously like twilight, you know, and then within twilight or dusk, there's like astronomical twilight and, um, perceptual twilight, you know, there's like, there are these different definitions of how to measure light in the sky and how low the sun is. And that's a really cool topic to get into, uh, star charts, seafaring, um, mapping, but also photography, light measuring. This stuff is fascinating to me. And my favorite time of day, I was just saying this on my walk today with a friend, I love dusk. I love twilight. I love it. I love when the light is bright enough in the sky that you can still make a good photograph without, you know, jacking up your ISO. And artificial lights are coming on. Like almost all my photographs are taken at that time of day, you know, where the the street lamp comes on, but there's still light in the sky. I love it. Is that night or day? I guess it's a third gender, you know, like it is a half night or something. And so there's truth to that. There is a truth to that, but it doesn't override the grander truth that there is a night and a day. You know what I mean? Like, okay, I get that point. Like things are complicated the more you zoom in, but it doesn't override the grander narrative And I think my point here is that we do have to maintain our shared belief in the grander narrative because it, it's cohesive. It holds us together. And religion used to do that. Religion used to do that. And it's not doing that in the West anymore. It's doing that in the Islamic world. And by God, are they bound together (laughs) depending on the, on the faction, you know, the Sunnis are definitely bound together. They're not so much in collaboration with the Shia, for instance, but I think you get the point. Like they share a narrative. There's no doubt about it. And I think a lot of productive societies have always done that. And we have good grand narratives in the West. We have this idea of the individual and we have the idea of our group identity. And what's so perverse to me is that the political left right now, which is my side, is obsessed with those things, the wrong directions. People are thinking that their group identity is their really specific inborn trait of being a woman or being, you know, Latinx bullshit. (laughs) Sorry. Um, you know, like whatever ethnicity or race. And as if that's their group, no human is your group. American or like Westerner is your group. Like that's your group. If you watch, if you ever watched the office, that's your group. (laughs) If you ever, uh, if you've ever sang a Beyonce or a Taylor Swift song, that's your group. Those are both pop stars. They're not different groups. So I think people have it wrong in their head that their group is this smaller faction, this anti-group. And then the individual is like just a word that you use to like discredit anyone else for questioning you. That's not what an individual is. An individual is this idea that we are all a very unique mix of all these kinds of group experiences we're all unique mix. Every white man, you know, 
has a very unique life story. They do, believe it or not. They really do. So I know that sounds a little crazy today, but I just feel like we've forgotten that. And I'm just here to remind you that life is balance, that your political enemies are actually working on the same human project as you, that uh, whenever you're really going through something, it's a possession. It's you're possessed. Like you are the possession of an idea of a spirit and you're acting it out. And you do that when you're rallying, you're doing that when you're binge watching a show, you're doing that when you're, you know, really hungry (laughs) or really thirsty. Like when you just need to get drunk, you know, like you are possessed and it's okay. Like, let's accept that, you know, like, it doesn't mean that you should do nothing about it, but do accept that that's the the case. And then think about what you want to do about that. Do you give in to your idle urges? Do you give in to your anger? Do you give in to your lust? It's okay sometimes to do all those things in moderation, everything in moderation, including moderation. That Oscar Wilde line has always been a favorite of mine. And I have to say it's still... It's as true today as it was when it was written. All right. This has been a very rambling episode. Uh, Thanks for being a part of it. I'm going to just stop suddenly like that and leave it there. Until next time. Ciao. Well, let me get to the point. Let's roll another joint and turn a radio loud. I'm too long. Somewhere I gotta go